Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Chicago Bears. This is the Bears Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Bears Wire editor, Alyssa Barbieri. Hello and welcome in to our Week 15 episode for the regular season. Alyssa, that game was against the Packers. We were... Uh, we were predicting disaster, right, last week on the show, but that was way more fun than I expected. That was pre- they gave us a pretty good little game. Yeah, that was that first half was pretty shocking. Like I came into that expecting it to be a blowout from the very beginning, especially when the Bears started with the ball and you know then they punted it away. I'm like, well, there goes your last opportunity to ever have a lead in this game. And then and and then the unthinkable happened. Like they actually looked like a competitive team that could hang with the Packers at least for a half. And then Matt Nagy just kind of you know burned them into the ground with the whole having fun. It was like Matt Nagy just kind of like showed up and was like, okay, well we competed for one half of football. It was fun. Now we can go home, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you know, I know that Nagy Nagy had so much fun, but uh, I don't think he's going to be saying that with uh, in the next four weeks when he's looking for a job. Nope, I agree. And uh, as always, we'll have some takes about the head coach here coming up. Uh, I just think when I'm looking at this game, the second half of that game, uh, when the Bears were outscored twenty-four to three. And uh, that three we'll get to in a little bit here. The three that the Bears ended up in that second half was kind of embarrassing. Uh, that's the representation of where we are right now, right? That second half against the Packers. That's where we're at. Whereas the first half, when the Bears outscored the Packers 27-21, to 21, and it could have been better if Fields didn't throw a pick six and make a terrible decision, that's like a sign of what we're hoping for in the near future, right? Like, that's where we're heading. Like, the first half is where we want to be. But the second half is like this reminder of where we're at right now, right? We're not quite there, but maybe we can have some hope for that first half. Yeah, and I think the hope uh, lies in moving and massive changes happening this offseason, right? I don't think that that would ever that was ever going to be the norm with Matt Nagy, that offense looking like that. It's not like this season is an anomaly with the offense, you know, sucking as much as it has. Like it's gotten it's been bad for the last three years and it's gotten worse every season. So I mean, like you said, looking at that first half, I was just kind of stunned and like now I was like ready for a blowout that would help Nagy possibly get canned the next day. And then I was like, you know, F it. I'm going to have fun this half. I know it's not going to last because, I mean, that's what history shows us. It never does, at least as long as I've been following theirs. So, I mean, you kind of knew how it was going to end. But that first half, I mean, it looked promising. The defense especially, you know, and how they were able to force punt, uh, three punts on the Packers in the first half, which is impressive. Like you said, if not for the field's pick six, you know, it looks even more impressive. But those are the kind of mistakes he's going to make as a rookie, and he needs to learn that now when it's not, you know, not that it's not counting, but, like, when you can get away with that kind of stuff because the Bears aren't contenders this year. But, you know, yeah, that, that first half, I mean, that's the goal. Don't think they're going to get there with Matt Nagy, but then it, it's another reason to be excited about the future of this team that is assuming that the, that the pairs can actually get the right people in place. Now, there's a lot to get to 
in terms of what happened on the field, coaching decisions and all that. But some of the big like the big takeaways on social media, I guess I should say, isn't like it's not about the refs, it's not about the coaching, it's about the commentators, right? It's about Al Michaels, it's about Chris Collinsworth, Alyssa. Like, what do you think of Chris Collinsworth? You know, I mean, for me, wouldn't it be amazing if we could get some honest takes on the air during these games instead of just like this dishonest gushing about Aaron Rodgers and Matt Nagy, right? Like, it's okay to say Rodgers is brilliant at playing quarterback, but he's been insufferable off the field. And to not say that he's like been the most honest person in the world, just be like, it's okay to say that, yeah, Aaron Rodgers misled the media. Like, isn't it okay to say that? And please, can you not tell me that like... You know, Matt Nagy's this mastermind at developing young players. Like, can you just stop? Like, oh, like what's going on with Chris Collinsworth? Like, I just, I would love to get in the booth. That's what I, I would love to be like next to Al Michaels and just be up there and just like, let's just be honest and tell like it is instead of just like playing grab ass and like sticking up for the guys that you have in the production meetings with you. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just yeah. a little bit too much for me sometimes. Yeah, and even just like on the surface with, you know, just him like over praising Rodgers and Al Michaels too. And like, I mean, we're used to that kind of stuff. And like, I saw everyone's remarks uh, on Twitter about, it's like, how do I turn off the Green Bay home broadcast? I was like, that's yeah, so true. Stuff. So true. <laughs> and like that, I, did, I mean, that I didn't really have a problem with. It was just annoying. And then Collinsworth, like the, the word that he uses, honest, and I had a massive problem with that. So as obviously we've all seen, how Rogers, you know, purposely misled the media to think he was vaccinated. So I had a whole problem about them kind of gushing over his honesty, not that because he is a great player. Like that's not in question. It's kind of like more him as a human being. So, I mean, there, there was a lot <laughs> that I, you know, had issue with during that broadcast. And then when, and I remember it was towards the end too, when he started saying, man, Matt Nagy's the kind of coach you want in place for a young quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, are we, it's like, like, well, that's when the edible hit. That's when the edible hit. Yeah. It's like, what are <laughs> we talking about? Edible. <laughs> but, yeah. but again, like kind of watching like that broadcast on Sunday night is a reminder. It made me realize why I love the Manning cast so much because you don't get that kind of stuff. It's just them watching the game and just kind of talking through it, having fun. It's not, you know, then just kind of kissing someone's butt, you know, and just kind of going with, you know, whatever, whatever hot take comes. It's just them watching the game, having fun. And I think that's why the Manning cast has worked so well, because there are a lot of times, and it's not just with the NBC broadcast, it can be CBS or, or Fox. And watching, you know, kind of sometimes when you watch it, you're like, man, I really wish you could just kind of mute the audio. I mean, you can mute it, but I mean, I, you know, I feel like kind of like to hear a little bit of stuff. But, you know, you kind of just want, you know, wish that you didn't have to listen to the broadcast. And I think that's why I love the Manning cast and why so many other people do too. I mean, I get that Collinsworth is sitting in these production meetings with these people and he's he's just singing their praises. And, he, and you're right. It is butt kissing. But man, how how soft can you be on the broadcast? Like saying that <laughs> applauding Rogers's honesty this season is embarrassing. I'm sorry. It's just so bad. It is. But OK, as for the actual play on the field, uh, we talked about that first half. That was refreshing. I thought the Bears drew up some some plays and they actually got some of their playmakers in space. It was like, wow, like where's this been? Right. Uh, but let's talk about. What happened right after halftime, Alyssa, right? The Bears are leading 27-21. The Packers punch back, right? And, and we knew it was coming. The Packers go on a nice long scoring drive. And then, boom, the Bears turn it over. The Packers get a short field. They score again, right? All of a sudden, the Bears are down eight points with 824 left in the third quarter. Their drives after that spot go punt, three and out, punt, three and out, punt, three and out, field goal, 
on fourth and eight from the Green Bay 25 with a minute 22 left, down 18 points, right? So that was their next four drives. Kind of baffling, right? Do you think that the Bears turtled there, their coaches? Do they think they played scared when the Packers kind of started throwing haymakers there early in the third quarter? Because they were as bad as it felt when the Packers scored back-to-back touchdowns in like the blink of an eye. It was still only an eight-point game. It was still a one-possession game at that point, but it did feel like the Bears turtled and something changed there and the air went out of the balloon. No, I definitely uh, think that that was part of it, the whole coaching scare, but you saw later on that this game was a microcosm of everything that's been wrong with the Matt Nagy era. And you kind of look at that. The first half, we talked about how they were able to find success. We finally got to see the speed in the receiving cores. It was like kind of like, whoa, there it is, right? It only took you 14 weeks to get there, but... And then you kind of saw what has been one of Maggie's biggest struggles over the last four years, which has been halftime adjustments, his inability to make the halftime adjustments and the other team's ability to do that. And, you know, Jalen Johnson, even I don't think he unintentionally kind of, you know, made a joke of Matt Nagy. Like, you know, Nagy said that, oh, no, the talking with Devontae Adams, which I was super impressed with how Jalen Johnson was able to contain Devontae Adams in the first half. Right. You look at Adams' stack at the end, we had 121 receiving yards and a couple of touchdowns. You know, so it's kind of misleading, but Johnson really held his own against him in the first half. So what did the Packers do? They made adjustments, right? Like all great teams do. They moved him into the slot where they knew that Jalen wasn't able to cover him. And he just kind of feasted on the rest of those cornerbacks. And Jalen, you know, after the game, Matt Nagy was kind of asked about, you know, what changed with, you know, Adams between the first and second half. And he's like, well, the Packers didn't really do anything differently. And then you talk to Jalen and he was talking about all the different ways that they were able to put him in better positions to succeed and, you know, moving him into the slot and all that. So, I mean, it was just kind of a joke, right? Matt Nagy does not understand this and that is an issue. So whoever the next head coach is, I want to make sure they're a good head coach and they're able to make those adjustments, put the people in place that are going to be able to do that stuff, which, I mean, doesn't seem so hard. A lot of teams, most teams are able to do that, but. You know, I think definitely the, the, the lack of halftime adjustments was the biggest issue, and it kind of it backed them into the corner that they were, that where Nagy had to coach scared. And we saw it on a couple of fourth down plays, where whether it was the fourth and inches uh, play where they opted to punt instead of go for it. I mean, if you can't pick up a foot, like what, what's the issue here, right? You're, 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 you're punting when you're down 11 points in the fourth quarter, and then when he opted to go for the field goal, you know, down 18 points, even wow. less time left in the game. It was just, it was classic Matt Nagy. It kind of feels like we're at the end of the road here, you know, when they play kind of like that that review video where you're reliving the best or the worst, in this case, uh, of, a, of a head coach. <laughs> you know, so we're getting to see some of the things that have really made Matt Nagy's time in Chicago the failure that it's been and why he's going to be fired. Yeah, you needed three scores. So you were, you were going to need a field goal at some point, but like there was not enough time to recover two onside kicks and score two touchdowns by after going for a field goal there. It's just, there's no way that's going to happen. So you might as well just go for it. What the hell are you doing, Matt Nagy? Oh my God. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah. Kicking the field goal on fourth and eight with a minute 22 left uh, down 18 points is playing scared. There's just, there's no other way to put that. And uh, yeah. And as you said, it hopefully... The next coach is more aggressive, has it makes us feel a little bit more confident in these fourth quarters. And Alyssa's gonna tell us who tops her list for the next Bears head coach. We'll do that in our questions of the week right after this. This is the typical sports book fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. 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 
Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for Week 15. The fantasy football playoffs are upon us in most formats, so let's dive right in. Quarterback Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Miami Dolphins versus New York Jets. First of all, the Jets have picked off a league low four passes in 2021, and the position has averaged 15.6% more points per game than average in the last five weeks when facing this defense. Tua comes off his bye with a COVID-riddled backfield that could lead to extra passing attempts. The Dolphins are healthy enough at wide receiver and tight end, though, and feature a promising rookie in Jalen Waddle to give the Jets trouble. Tonga-Vailoa went for 22.3 fantasy points in the Week 11 meeting, which was his best performance in the last five weeks. Sony Michelle, Los Angeles Rams versus Seattle Seahawks. This one's a little bit dicey just because of the situation. Running back Daryl Henderson has a thigh injury and was also placed on the COVID list last week, and he's uncertain for Week 15. Michelle has a strong matchup ahead and could be relied upon even more if Odell Beckham Jr. cannot clear the COVID protocols as well. In the last five weeks, running backs have averaged 34.2% more fantasy points per game versus Seattle than the league average. Both Henderson and Michelle scored in the Week 5 meeting, and the position has produced six different 20-plus point performances against this defense since that contest. Wide receiver Marquise Brown, Baltimore Ravens versus Green Bay Packers. Ever since tallying 116 yards on nine catches against the Vikings, Brown has averaged 46 yards on six receptions and no touchdowns in the last four. That's just 7.7 yards per catch. Not good. His speed could be an issue for the Packers, though, as they have allowed receptions for touchdowns of 79 yards, 54 yards, 46 yards, and 54 yards just in the last two games. And two of those came on short passes. There's some upside here with Brown Sunday, regardless of whether it's Lamar Jackson or Tyler Huntley throwing his way. Tight end Ricky Seals-Jones, Washington football team at Philadelphia Eagles. Seals-Jones returned from injury last week only to stink up the joint with one catch on his four-target performance. The Eagles have been exceptionally generous to tight ends in 2021, and no team has given given up more catches, yards, or scores to the position. That's the triple crown in fantasy football matchups. If there's such thing as a get-right game for a career backup, this would have to be it. Quarterback Taylor Heineke's knee injury is worth monitoring, but he is expected to play. In your pursuit of a championship, be sure to check out thehuddle.com for more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, information, and advice. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522. 4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it's that time of the show. Our questions of the week. It's a lightning round for Alyssa. Three questions that she was not prepped on. And here's question number one for you, Alyssa. Our guy, Jason Peters, we talked about him last week. Well, he exited this ballgame. So we finally got to see Tevin Jenkins. How would you grade Jenkins, who's, you know, our hopeful future at left tackle? How would you grade his debut here in this game? Oh, man, I feel like in this game alone, I'd probably give him like D plus for the season so far. It's still incomplete. This was one game. His first start, I don't think that this is is suddenly telling us, oh, he's going to be a bust. 
it's his first NFL game. He had no practice reps dating back to the offseason, whether I think mini camp maybe was the last time he's like, you know, practiced with starters in that degree. You know, he did return to practice over, you know, over the last few weeks, but he has no experience and he was just kind of thrown in there cold. And in prime time on the road, Jason Peters goes down and like in the beginning, he kind of held up well a little bit. And then you kind of saw that, you know, the bears weren't really helping him out. Like weren't really helping with some chips or anything. And like you're, you have him going up against a dominant Packers pass rush one-on-one. So, I mean, it wasn't a good, and he had all the penalties that he was making too. It was a rough, I'm not going to lie. It was a rough start for him, but I mean, I think the bigger question will be how does he bounce back? Assuming Peters can't go on Monday night, which he has an ankle injury that we, I guess we'll learn a little bit more about later this week and whether he's able to go. But my guess would be that he's not going to go on Monday night. So, you know, I'm curious to see how he bounces back from Sunday uh, or last Sunday night to Monday night against the Vikings, especially because they have, they have the most sacks in the league. So it's not like it's getting any easier for him. But I do think that you'll see a significant improvement from that first one just because it was kind of thrown out there cold. Uh, not a good start, but I still am optimistic that he can develop into whether it's a left tackle or right tackle because that's something that Matt Nagy was asked, you know, whether because Larry Bourne's been doing pretty well at right tackle. He even saw some time at left tackle uh, back in the in the in training camp in the preseason. So whether they decide to kind of switch them and maybe put Jenkins on the right side and put Borum on the left, we'll see. But I mean, I'm. It wasn't a good start, but I'm not really losing hope at this point. Yeah, let's not lose our minds. Uh, this is a tough spot. Sunday night in Lambeau, very good Packers defense. Uh, I'm not going to give them an F, but you know, I think you know D plus D minus something like that. Yeah, that's fair, right? Two false starts, a holding penalty, one almost holding penalty that resulted in a strip sack. Right, so it was not <laughs> not a great debut for Jenkins, but there'll be better days. And uh, yeah, you think back to when Matt Nagy told us. Um, you know, it's, it's good for him just to be up, dressing, standing on the sideline. You know, Jason Peters is our guy. It, maybe Nagy should have just told us he's not quite ready yet, guys. He's not quite ready to start yet. Maybe he should have just been honest with us because it didn't look like he was quite ready to go yet. But I think better days are ahead for, uh, for Tevin Jenkins. Okay, question number two. True or false, the second half on Sunday night, Alyssa, in Lambeau, ensures 100% that the Bears will move on from Matt Nagy either during the season or offseason. Do you think this was the icing on the cake? Oh, definitely. I think we needed some kind of meltdown in this game. I mean, I think even before this game that he was out, but anytime you have your, you're on prime time and everybody's watching and that first half, you know, that's probably why Nagy was having fun. Cause he's like, Hey, maybe, you know, they won't I'm be here forever. Yeah, for yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then the second half happened and that was exactly what you needed. You know, we saw the shots on, you know, Sunday Night Football National Television, I remember, like, that three shot where they had uh, they had Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, and George McCaskey, and I'm just like, you could collectively hear Bears fans groaning across the country. <laughs> it's like, those are the three guys, right? And you just kind of, oh. But, I mean, that's the kind of game that just kind of put the exclamation point on Matt Nagy's time here. He's 1-7 against the Packers, and he's had success against the rest of the NFC North, but when you are the Bears head coach, you have to beat the Packers. And I still remember Lovey Smith, the very first thing he said at his press conference when he became the Bears head coach back in 04 was that the goal is to beat the Green Bay Packers, right? And that's what you want to hear. And like, and Lovey did, I mean, he wasn't just all talk. I mean, at one point he had a winning record against them, and he was one of the, very, the few head coaches over the last you know couple decades that actually had success against the Packers here. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I think this game definitely sealed Nagy's fate. 
if there was going to be a time to kind of fire him mid-season, I think it would have been after this game or after that second half collapse because it was just embarrassing. Losing to the Packers would have been one thing, but the way that they lost after that first half and where they were just completely shut out, 24-3, outscored in the second half, it's just ridiculous. And you saw the same things with Matt Nagy. His he struggles as a head coach because a lot of the time, a lot of the focus has been on the offense because that's what he was brought in here to fix as well. But he's also the head coach, and we saw those head coaching errors where he struggles with these decision with the decision making and the halftime adjustments. So, I mean, this was just like you said, the icing on the cake. I think at this point, it's just it's we're gonna have to wait another four weeks probably, unless they decide to take advantage of this that was just passed the NFL rule where owners agreed you can interview head coaches two weeks before the end of the regular season so but at this point he's gone yeah i'm with you i think it's true i mean if i think if you ask lovey smith or mark tressman or john fox go down the list if you lose if you lose over and over again to the packers you kind of lose whatever redeeming qualities yet you had as a coach and i'm not sure how many redeeming qualities matt Nagy has at this point um (laughs) bears now officially out of the division race they'll be out of the wild card race too soon right um we're headed to another lost season, and uh, yeah, Nagy's gone. So that brings me to question number three. Who tops your wish list, Alyssa, for the Bears' next head coach, right? Do you want someone like Kellen Moore or Joe Brady, these younger guys who are offensive guru? That's kind of hot in the NFL right now, right? You look at Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, who was across the sideline this past weekend. Cliff Kingsbury out in Arizona doing good things. Sean McVay with the Rams. Uh, you know, you got these young up and comer offensive guys, or are you sick of having the offensive guy? And do you want more of the defensive minded guy, like a like a Todd Bowles out in Tampa Bay? Like, who tops your wish list? Who would be your number one pick for the next Bears head coach if you had your choice? Oh, number one! Oh man, Ryan, you're putting me on the spot there. So the instead, spot. I'm going to talk on around this. Yeah. <laughs> instead, I'm going to name a few. I'm going to talk around this, but you know, like you mentioned, some of those kind of young up and comers, like a Kellen Moore. Uh, or like a Byron Leftwich, uh, you know, like those are, or I mean, I guess you can uh, even say Brian Zabel from the, from the bills. Like they're, they're intriguing options. And I mean, you want, you want the offense, right. To finally succeed. And that's, that's the thing. That's why I like the allure of bringing in an offensive minded head coach, because you're hoping that what, that when they're, when he's selling himself right to George McCaskey or Ryan Pace, or, you know, at this point, whoever's going to be in that room, because it probably won't be Ryan Pace. It might not be him. Uh, so you want to make sure that, you know, they can, they have a plan, right? They're pitching their plan for the offense to fix the offense. You know, Ryan Pace apparently loved what Matt Nagy was spewing, even though it was all a load of crap. Apparently. <laughs> so, um, cause like, so those guys are really intriguing to me and obviously Josh McDaniels, I mean, he's, he's someone he's, you know, he's had a head coaching experience before it didn't go so well, but you know, it's been what 12 years. So I have to think that he's kind of learned from his past mistakes and you kind of seen, what he's able to do. I've been impressed this year because for a lot of the time, you could probably say with, you know, with McDaniels, Oh, he had Tom Brady. Right. But this year he's able, you're seeing what the offense can do when you have a rookie quarterback with Mac Jones back there. Right. And a run game. Right. And that's kind of like how the bears offense has been established. You have a strong run game. You have a young quarterback, you know, it would be exciting to, I'd be excited to see what he could do. Josh McDaniels might be towards the top of my list, but at the same time, the only thing I care about, Ryan, <laughs> is having a head coach that knows what he's doing, right? So maybe going yeah. back to a defensive-minded head coach would be the best bet. But again, so like, you know, if you bring in a Todd Bowles, right, or a Matt Eberflus from Indianapolis, like one of those defensive-minded guys, what, what you want is you, as long as they have an offensive coordinator in mind, 
that, you know, with an offense that you can build around Justin Fields, someone who's going to adapt the scheme to fit his strengths, kind of like what Greg Roman's been doing with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, right? That's one of the, he's probably also on my list because I like how he's been able to adapt his scheme to fit the strengths of the quarterback. Now, Justin's not going to run as much as Lamar does, but again, he kind of has an inkling for that. And then you have obviously the one connection, the Ryan Day connection, which is not going to stop at this point, especially because obviously he coached Justin Fields at Ohio State for a couple of years. That's so a good one. I, I know didn't he didn't answer your question. I've never thought about Ryan Day. It's a good one. Ryan Day has been mentioned a lot, just obviously the, the Fields connection. But, you know, you kind of think, why would he want to leave his cushy job at Ohio State? <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it seems like and these colleges, they're like buying houses for the coaches now. It's like insane what's going on in college football. The contract with what, like what Mel Tucker is going to get nearly $10 million. So if Mel Tucker is getting nearly $10 million a year in, in, in Michigan State, what, what is Ryan Day going to get? Seriously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're not like, getting this so in the NFL. I don't think the, the could yeah. match that. Yeah. No, I thought, yeah. I, I think didn't you, answer your question. No, you I did. Mean, you probably did. didn't answer your question. You, but. <laughs> yeah. The fact is, is anybody but Matt Nagy, right? That's that's kind of what yes, the answer is. Yes, anyone but Matt Nagy. I, I, Ryan Day is an interesting name. Uh, is he ready to come to the NFL, though? I mean, he's still kind of a young head coach in the college ranks. I I think I still – I like the idea of one of these young young gun offensive coordinators, but I do – I agree with you. You'd have to deal with a head coach who doesn't really know what he's doing, a, a guy who has not had head coaching experience before. If you're bringing in a Kellen Moore or a Byron Leftwich, I like that name too. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's that's a tough question. That's a tough question, but I think I still side with one of – I think Kellen Moore. I, I like Kellen Moore, Joe Brady. I think those two are are at the top of my list, but yeah. uh, it'll be fun. Ryan Day. I'm gonna I'm gonna sleep on that one. I I, I like that, Alyssa. I like that. Yeah, and I mean, some of these, like you mentioned, like the young guys, like a Kellen Moore, a Byron Leftwich, like or even a Ryan Day. Like you have to take a chance on them because you know one of them they could pan out or they could not, right? But you have to take a chance on them, right? So who knows? Maybe they could, maybe they wouldn't, but. I mean, that's going to be up to, I think that's why the importance right now, there's been a lot of speculation about the front office, a potential restructure. You know, there was a a report that came out this week about uh, Bears president, Ted Phillips, you know, talking about kind of stepping back from football operations. uh, And that way they could kind of bring in a football guy who actually knows what he's talking about, right? (laughs) To To bring in a new GM or stick with pace, right? And to help with that head coach hiring process. So, I mean, that would be up to them, right? So if you get the right football executive in place, then hopefully he's able to get the right GM and head coach there too. I love it. So, All right, so coming up next, the Bears have a game this week. It's against the Vikings at home. Monday Night Football back in primetime. Another Bears game in primetime. We will tell you what the spread is and make a prediction right after this. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this week's Monday Night Football game between the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears are getting 3.5 points at home. The total's 43.5. I'm on the Chicago Bears getting 3.5 points because Matt Nagy, Chicago Bears, are 5-1 and one straight up and 4-2 and two against the spread since he became head coach in 2018. Also, I think Chicago's running game will be able to help out their rookie quarterback, Justin Fields. Minnesota's defense has the second-worst rushing success rate. I'm on the bank of the Bears getting 3.5 at home. Nate, how do you play this game? So I'm on the over here. Justin Fields showed what he's capable of against a good Packers defense last week and Chicago's top 20 and four of their last six games. 
Also, Dalvin Cook ran over the Steelers, and the Bears don't have a great rush defense. Give me the over 44 and a half points. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back in primetime, Bears-Vikings, Soldier Field. Uh, Bears home dogs to the Vikings, Alyssa. They're three-and-a-half-point underdogs. And I guess that makes a little bit of sense, right? I mean, the Vikings, they're fighting for a playoff spot. It does make you think, right? The Vikings, they play indoors, coming to Chicago. Like, maybe there's something to look at on the Bears' side of this. So I, I pull up the stats, and I was stunned. The Vikings are 5-15 and 15 in their last 20 trips to Chicago. So we know this Vikings team, right? They can be really, really good. Like that first half against Pittsburgh where they could do no wrong. I think they got up like 29 to nothing first half into the third quarter in that Thursday night game last week against Pittsburgh. We know they could be great when Dalvin Cook's running for 200 yards, whatever. But we also know that they can lose to the Lions on like a walk-off Jared Goff touchdown pass, right? <laughs> They're all over the place, this Vikings team. And they have not historically been good coming to Soldier Field. So me looking at this spread, three and a half, I want to take the points. I want to bet the Bears. Am I crazy, though? Is that is that a is that a smart move for me to do based on these trends? What do you think? Yeah, I don't think you're crazy. And I'm like, I forgot that they were the ones that lost the Lions. For a they minute. did, like, yeah. I forgot. yeah. I they played this, like, prevent defense thing near the goal line, and they just left the receiver wide open. Karen Goff just threw it to him. It and that hilarious. only happened a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't believe I forgot. But, like, that's this Vikings team. It's kind of crazy because you watched what they were able to do last week. And just it was insane, right? I don't think you're crazy, though, to want to take the Bears. You know, when you division games are always tricky like this, right? I mean, it doesn't really matter the records. I mean, look, the Lions beat the Vikings. Like, I mean, it really doesn't matter at that point. When you know a team really well, you play them twice a year. So I don't think you're crazy because I, I went into the season believing that they could split the series, especially because Matt Nagy, believe it or not, I know he is one and seven against the Packers, but he is five and one. Five and one against the Minnesota Vikings. Five and the one. The only loss coming last year. That's a crazy stat. Five and one. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So maybe Matt Nagy goes out with a bang. Maybe he sweeps the Vikings and, you know, ruins the Giants, you know, first round pick from the Bears and then drops the Bears, you know, deeper into the second round. I don't know. But uh, I don't think you're crazy, though, because, you know, like you said, the te- I mean, the Vikings, I mean, they are competing for a playoff spot, but that's not really saying much because they're currently not in the playoffs sitting at six and seven. I mean, they could get there, and they play the Bears twice, you know, for, in the last month. So, I mean, there's a good chance that they could get there and they could use those games against the Bears to do it. And like you said, they haven't had a lot of success in Chicago. And this first game is in Chicago, and I'm so sorry, you know, football fans, that you have to watch the Bears in primetime for a second straight week if you are a non-Bears fan listening to this. <laughs> I am so sorry. I don't know why the NFL thought that was a good idea. It is not. But, you know, like you said, I mean – Dalvin Cook, I think he's going to be the key. And I, he, he has been the key the last few years, too, in these games when 
when he has a good game like he did last year. You know, that was the that was the only loss that Matt Nagy suffered uh, to, to the Vikings. It was Dalvin Cook was a big reason for that. And we know that Kirk Cousins, you know, especially in prime time, has, you know, not been up to par. So, I mean, this is a game where I understand why the Vikings are favored and they should be at this point when you look at where both teams are. But once the game kicks off, it could be weird. I mean, did you imagine the bear the Bears sticking with the Packers for a half of football last week? Like, no, I was I stunned. <laughs> no, I was like, I, I got to watch the second half. I can't believe this. I was going to go to bed at halftime. You know, I got a two-month-old kid, so I was <laughs> I was exhausted. I had a two-month-old. I'm like, I'm going to bed. And then I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I was going to write my story at yeah, halftime. Yeah, like, yeah. Do that. And then I'm like, wait, I, I can't go to bed. I got I to watch. I got to keep watching. What's going on here? No, it was great. No, it was a good problem to have. Uh, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I just don't think the Vikings are – they should be favored. I just don't think they should be carrying over a field goal on the road, especially you know in a spot where they don't perform very well historically in at Soldier Field with Justin Fields uh, back under center and you know assuming he's healthy and going, and, and I'm assuming he is. So, uh, yeah, I think I, lo- I love the Bears at anything three and a half or, or over. Give me the Bears. And then the total, Alyssa, is hanging at 43 and a half probably because – both of these teams love to run the football a lot. They both kind of run first teams, or at least the Bears should be. Um, so the line's hanging a little bit lower, 43 and a half. But will the Bears stick to the run game, right? I guess that's the question coming in here. What's your thought on the uh, on the total, 43 and a half? Yeah, I mean, you know me. I usually, with the Bears, tend to take the under unless they're facing like a high-powered offense on the other side where I think that they can make up for that point total. But like you said, these are both teams that have really good run games. And you look at last week against the Packers, Montgomery touched the ball 10 times. 10 times in the entire game, Not including enough. once in the second half. Not enough. And that's classic Matt Nagy, right? It's just yep. that game had every inkling of that. And if they have, if they hope to stand any chance, if Matt Nagy wants to win a game for the rest of the year, I know they have the Vikings twice, the Seahawks and the Giants, but you need to get back to the only thing that's been working on offense, the only thing – whether it's David Montgomery or Khalil Herbert or Damian Williams, that's been the run game, right? So, I mean, I expect them to get back to that. We've kind of seen that. I'm sure Matt Nagy's been listening to the criticism and the coaches, you know, and all that stuff. So, I mean, you have to get back to running the football. In If that's the case, you know, I, it's obviously it's going to be a lower scoring affair. And, you know, these primetime games, I know the Bears defense is not the same defense it's been in the past. But, you know, these have normally been some defensive battles. So, I mean, we'll see. I'm definitely taking the under. I probably would have anyways. So, since I'm taking the under, Ryan, that means that it's probably going to be over. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> so that, that's that's why I have to take the over, I think. Yeah, 43 and a half. I think I got to take the – well, I was looking at the analytics a little bit. The Vikings, over their last three games, have been scoring around 29 points per game over their last three. And the Bears are a little bit closer to 20. So, But both of these teams have been putting up some points. So, it makes me think, like – you know, if this line keeps creeping down closer to 40, then there could be some thin value on the over. But, you know, if Justin Fields is playing, which that's always got to be the caveat here. If Andy Dalton is playing, give me the under. Uh, but, yeah, I do think that maybe maybe I'd lean over, but I don't love it by any means. I could totally see. I totally would see what you're saying. I think if the Bears commit to the run game, then the under is definitely in play here. Uh, but I think, you know, my, my play on this game, again, would be the spread. Three and a half. Three and a half for the Vikings. I don't trust the Vikings. Not at all. Not at all. I don't trust the Vikings. Give me the Bears this week. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm on the Bears. Don't let me down, Bears. Don't let me down. You know, I thought I thought they were going to – I mean, I picked the Packers to cover that, what was it, 10 and a half or 11 and a half last week? Picked the Packers, mm-hmm. bet the Packers, 
I thought the Bears were going to screw me over in a great way. I was I was here for it. Let's go Bears. But you look at the score <laughs> after the game. Oh man, the Packers covered somehow. Oh, they ended up covering the. How'd they cover that spread? I guess Matt Nagy helped him kicking that field goal, huh? Yeah, because yeah, Matt Nagy had money on the game. He must have. <laughs> he had the Packers. Jeez, yeah, yeah. He was like, and it's time to stop having so much fun. Let's. Let's let's get back to normal here against the Packers here in the second half. So our salary in a few months, in a few weeks. So I need I need to start you know making some money while I can. <laughs> All right, we have we have a you know another an, at least another month of Alyssa's uh, rant against Matt Nagy. It should be fun. We'll keep that going here yeah. week to week to week, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So for Alyssa, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us as always. Make sure you hit subscribe. We appreciate you all. We will catch you next week after Monday Night Football. And as always, bear down. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.